This is the Sounding Board Podcast with Hachi and Damo. Thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Nice to have your company on the sounding board for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to drink wise. Episode 7, Series 7 of the sounding board for Drinkwise. And it's nearly a week old, Hutchie, but uh, as I say hello to you, Craig Cutchison, but we may as well start with the biggest story to still emerge out of the, the round one of the AFL season 2022. Good afternoon to you on this particular Monday. Extraordinary story, Damo. Sad in many respects, in, in most respects, I think. No winners, horrible outcome. You know, really, really feel for the uh, victim of the leaked audio and thoughts are with her and the plight she now finds herself in. Hugely courageous to go public yesterday, which was Megan Barnard, of course, in uh, going public yesterday with her reaction to what she was dragged into. Absolutely uh, abhorrent and disgusting piece of audio and I think Fox did absolutely the right thing and had no choice. Yeah, and acted acted within basically minutes of, of first becoming aware of it and then standing Tom Morris down, the journalist, and then within within 24 hours of being still down, sacked. Yeah, no, there was no other option. It was the right decision. I think Tom accepted it and saw the error in his ways. You can't even defend it on the grounds of any basis no, there's no at defense all. On it. it is morally reprehensible and not conversation you would dare accept if you heard it or be privy to in your private circles. So unfortunately for Tom, it's a, a bad lesson to learn. Having been through some hits in my career and not of the same um, circumstance, but I hope that he reflects, learns from it, owns it and seeks to recover from it and he's not lost to journalism. I know mm. that won't be a popular view right now among many, Um I think you should take a year away from journalism and go and do some other things and learn and reflect and develop. And I, I really have high admiration for the way that uh, Megan and Fo- and Fox have handled it in yeah. the most horrible of circumstances. I can't imagine what that would be like to go. No, I, I can't either, Hutchie. And 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 the fact that um, as we're speaking today, it was only yesterday that Megan Barnard uh, used her own social media accounts to to address the the issue publicly. And for those who haven't caught up with it, um, it is on uh, Instagram under under Megan underscore Barnard. I think it is Hutchie. But um, that that is where all the care and concern um, goes to. And, and it's just some commentary around it, Hutchie, with um, with various other degrees. And we'll, we'll just bounce the, these well, topics just around. before we move off that, it's on all of us to not walk past that language yeah. ever again. Not that I can ever remember hearing it, but if you do mm. or see it or yeah. hear it or acknowledge it, you yep. must call it out. You must attack it. Yep. And, you know, it's, it's those who are complicit in its sharing and its republication that are uh, that are as guilty almost yeah. as the original. And and Hachi, let's just bounce around a few. Just They'll come out randomly because there's so much to cover on this topic and I think our listeners expect us to, to delve into most aspects of it and it, it might come in an order that, that not necessarily reflects the order of importance. But let's just touch on a couple of issues. And, and, and as we said, Hachi, um, the, the care and concern went straight away to, to Megan Barnard. And at that stage of the early, early reporting on it, there was the, the usual social media pylon of, of not just Tom Morris, but everyone associated with media. And the, people want things wrapped up in a little bow on, on, a, on 140 characters tweet these days for, to get everyone's opinion. I mean, everyone that I know condemned what 
rightly, and, and had to, what Tom Morris did. I mean, I know you spoke about it publicly. I spoke about it several times publicly. But the public the public was still baying for other people to, to continue to enter this fray. And the reason I was reticent, like on the very first minutes of the story getting out, and even before the story got out, was because of the concern for Megan Barnard, who at that stage wasn't wanting to be part of the story. Now, she's, she's ultimately gone public herself with her take on it, and, and it's a beautiful reflection in, in, in that inverted commas way, the way she's couched what she's endured in the four days yep. since. But initially, Hutchie, to, to talk about the story, it was to basically put her back into it when you knew behind the scenes that that was the last thing that she wanted. And I, I think in, in, in the in the bang of some people to, to get to X parts of the story, they just could totally disrespected Megan herself in, in, in her yeah, being saw, the subject of what was said. I saw some people on social reference her by name in denouncing the story, which is just wrong. Like, and the newspapers had the respect to not do they it. They did. Not do it. And not even to air the specifics of the claim. They, I thought the newspaper coverage, both both sides of the of the uh, newspaper world were really respectful, but there were people on social that were like, I've worked with X person, well, I've worked with Megan, I know her to be of great character, and I know that, like, and rebroadcasting her name before Megan herself was ready to... Were you awkward with that? Because I was very awkward with that. It was terrible. It was just not... You're, you're rebroadcasting something to a greater audience mm. that, the, like, as Megan in her own words said, it's a very personal thing and it's a journey and she feels equipped now to talk about it. Yes. But several years ago, she may not have been. And she made that point herself, didn't on, she? On yeah. social, you don't know what, oh. what mind that person is in at that time, right? So, yeah. And, yeah. It's, and it's personal. I yeah. mean, it's very <laughs> that's, personal. that's no one's information. Um, the sequence of events, can I ask you, just ask you a question that's been running through my mind a little bit? And I don't know how relevant it is, to be honest, but given that it's been such a sad and unfortunate week for our industry. Yeah. The audio, both bits of it, one bit of audio, one bit of video, were leaked on Thursday. They were doing the rounds rampantly. So it it feels like Tom Morris had his worst day of his life probably 24 hours after he had the second worst day of his life when he was attacked in a press conference. Like the two most notable public things of his life, you know, one through no fault of his and, and the other one through absolutely his fault badly, happened in 24 hours. Hmm. How does explain to me your views on how that happens the next day? Yeah. I, it seems to be only two possible scenarios. Well, tell me what you think is those are those scenarios, and I'll tell you what I. He's suddenly feel. he's suddenly newsworthy, relevant, and in the news, and so someone in his circle or circles have taken the fact. Oh, Tom Morris, you mean this Tom Morris, and redistributed the audio, or someone was actually motivated to leak it. To, to cause harm of him. They, they seem to be the only two scenarios. One is newsworthy, two, someone's motivated. I think it's a bit of both. And I think it's a bit of both of those scenarios. And I'm not, it's not, this is not a poor Tom Morris um, piece. No. I'm just asking the question. Yeah. How do you think it came to become public? What, what I do know, Hachi, it was, it had, it had hallmarks to what I recall with that whole Essendon drug saga back in 2012, 13, in terms of the, the concerted social media push. Now, I'm not saying anything more than that, and I'm not I'm not drawing lines. Oh, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. But what I can say, it, it was concerted as to how it was ramped up from from basically nothing 
to a firestorm in the space of of hours. Do you think it, it was a deliberate campaign to yeah, damage you? Yeah, that's yeah. my take on what I witnessed yeah, from that, many that morning. Or, uh, or yeah, but but it was coordinated. Now I'm not I'm not I'm not wow. saying there were links to anyone associated with any aspect of this story, but once they once they decided to go, they went and. and and as I said, if you if you want to trace it back, have a look at some of the retweeting and re-social media-ing of those accounts. It it was too calculated in, in its execution to, you, to, to you, not be controlled by some reasonably powerful force. So who was that force? Oh, I'm not even. I'm, you know what? I'm not. I'm, even if I even if I had this theory, Hutch, there's no way I'd say it here, and and I, and I wouldn't know, and it, because that's the, that is that is inverted commas the beauty of a social media you, campaign. Do you think it's with anonymity? Do you think it was fair and reasonable to call that out and cry foul on the audio? Yeah, like those that were. Um, no, I, I don't. And I tell you why, because it gets back to what we discussed off the top. Because it's not even collateral. Collateral is not strong enough a word for, for what it was to Megan Barnard when when because to bring Tom. Morris down is one thing, and, and that that is one thing. So and, you're saying if you had the audio, you had it was one thing to harm someone who you felt deserved, was a deservative harm. Yep, but it's another thing to have actually brought someone else. And 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 you've either done that willingly, which is which is as damning as it gets, or, or equally equally damningly, you haven't thought that yeah. bit of it through. Yeah. So if you had that story, say that it bobbed up in your inbox, someone said, "Oh, Damo, you might want to get across this." Tom Morris has well, said something uh, disgusting. That's you. I, I, Would you I, th- have, I think a lot of media probably had it reasonably early. On the Thursday morning, uh, and then and then but, you subsequently find out other media had it okay. six months ago. Say you'd had that ten days earlier. Yeah, would you have run it as a story? No. Why not? Because of the reasons I've just stated. Um, would you have called it out? Would you have rang him and said, "Mate, this is in oh, the box, and look, that, that, this is unacceptable yeah. and disgraceful." And but you know what? My, my my starting point is on all of this when anything comes through on social media is to check its authenticity. Anyway, I mean, say you'd, my, my first proved it to be true though. You're so, a journalist. So your it proved to be true. I'd I, I would make I would make a phone call, but but not not but to you wouldn't broadcast. No, not 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 with the Megan Barnard aspect of it. No, no. Was there a, a ways and means to do that story without actually identifying oh. the person? Probably not, because it always gets out, doesn't it? It always gets out, and and there's an original copy of something somewhere, isn't there? So you could bleep it out, beep it out yourself, but uh, there is always an original copy. And, and ultimately, whether you, whether you think you're doing the right thing by by beeping the name out, yep. you're still ultimately putting that person into it anyway. So enough people out there heard that audio on Thursday, were disgusted by it, called it out, created the momentum. Some would say, leaving the Megan. Um, Piece aside, and the mm. horrible impact on her that that was a that was a good thing that that the behaviour was called out. You would, oh, you would argue, yeah, the, 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 that was, that's what some people would say. Well, well again, yeah. I can I can see why they would say that, and and yes, I mean there is a good component to that because it is disgraceful. You cannot say that in any form, and that 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 is the thing. And you touched on this a few moments ago, Hutchie. That there's no space for that conversation. Forget the fact it's a private conversation. Forget the fact that it was a voice. Email or voice mail of sorts on a on a on a social media um, platform that was that was intended to stay private. That, that doesn't excuse that language in in any way, shape, or form. And then we get to another side of it too, Hutchie. And and again, this is not the priority, and it's, it may not even it doesn't even register with some people right now. But it's okay to feel sorry for Tom Morris at some stage of this, and it's okay to want to know that he's okay because if you want to continue down the path that some may want us all to do, where's that go? And what do you really want out of that? And how drastic do you want the ramifications no, I, I agree, to be? I agree with that. And many would argue that he was unlucky and he thought he was talking in private, but it is a big thing. Like it's a, What he said was horrible. 
Uh, I think uh, we've established that, Archie, uh, and, and I don't think we need to back over what... It's going to take some people to get to a while absolutely. to get to that point. Well, I, I can't, again, right now, where are we, uh, March 21, 20, whatever yep. is it today, I, I can't see... I can't see a scenario where a media proprietor is going to be prepared, he or she, to bring Tom Ross, Tom Ross back in. Now, now, history will say that he will, and I hope he does. I hope he does. And because, again, we're talking about people making statements. He made the statement himself eventually. I won't say eventually. In fact, quite quickly, actually. And, and again, like the Bulldogs if, if the, and Luke Beveridge's apology was good, we haven't got to that side of it yet. If the blue doesn't happen Wednesday night on yeah. the footy, do you think that goes publicly as no. wild as it does on the No, if, if Tom Morris didn't have the – I won't say immediate profile because he had a profile in media. He didn't have a profile in the public until Wednesday night, did he? Is that, is that a fair st- statement? I think it took his profile inadvertently to a new level the next I think day, it took which it put it on a lot of people's radar. Yeah. Do you think people in football had heard that audio before Thursday? Uh, well, I've spoken to two people who knew of it. Um, really? Yeah. They, again, only only in football um, or in media land. It was gobsmacking to well, the, the, the football industry people. There you go. Who, who were aware of it um, in conversations I'd had yeah. with them in the, on on the day after it it was. Uh, it casts it casts really sharply into mind your role in the media. Is your role to report what you know? Hmm. Or to save people from themselves. You know what I, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I do. I do. I, and I read the scenario with you. You know that story ten days ago, and you said, and I understand the argument. I'm not here to, to that you would have rang him and, I've, and alerted I've, him to, I've, as opposed to report. I would have wanted to make sure it was his voice because if it's not him and you're ringing him about, about oh, I've, I've yeah. said. I've, I've, if, my if question: you, you, Assume okay. you know it's if him. If you assume it's him, yeah, I, I, I would think again. This now gets down to personal relationships too. But should it though? Ah. Oh. Probably not. Like if you like, shouldn't whether you like someone or not, shouldn't yeah. come into whether you want to hold them to account for behaviour like this. That's true. That is true. It yeah. would have been a challenging story to be seen. But again, I'm not avoiding the question. Actually, it's it's one of those ones, and we, we talk about this scenario regularly. It, Until it, it's in front of you, you don't know what you're going to do. And I assume that wouldn't have it wouldn't have been. This is this sounds horrible too. And, as in the public interest, ten days earlier because it wasn't yeah. in the context of a newsworthy person. Yeah, but you're before. asking a different question, and it's and it's a it's a valid one. And and even just. I suppose the question, and I'm thinking about it right now, it, 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 it's something where I should be answering yes to that. It's shifting, right? Like once yeah. upon a time, journalists saw their role as to merely report what they've heard and what they know. Yep. Now they are moving a little bit like society is, which is having a role in- The shaping is, of- What is of social standard yep. and their role in calling it out, acknowledging it or otherwise. The, the, the calling out component is, is can, where they're big at. If you, if you had that story and did nothing with it, you didn't sit down with – like I, I can understand if you had reported that and you known it, I think that's fair and reasonable. Would you have reported it? Because you, you, you pushed the boundary more than anyone I know, I, and, and, I, and I've always said that about yeah, you, and, I've, and I, I refer to that as a, as a favourable aspect of your journalism. So, so would you have? Because ultimately if, it's, it's a media be, story. If I could be honest – I was thinking about this on the weekend. I would think I probably would have called him, gone and seen him. Yeah, said this was sent to me. We don't. I don't know how many other people it's been sent to. It, it does enormous harm to the victim, and it does almost as a No, not almost. At some degree of harm, significant harm to you. Yeah. Well, you you know that he's going to be sacked as a result of it airing publicly. So, so, so that you factor yeah. that in. I, and, and I don't think it's in either of our interests for this to be broadcast because it harms, and you know, in the scheme of it being. Yeah. This, 
but I'm calling out the behaviour and I'm asking yeah. for you what you're going to do about it and I'm going to hold you to account for it for the next two weeks. I'm going to ask you to come back to me and tell me what you've done, yep. who you've seen, how you've addressed it. But, but, okay, again, it's not Hutchie, really the journalist's role, but I no. just kind of think that's probably what I ought to have done. Also too, Hutchie, we're getting a little bit... Is that unreasonable? No, or? it's not. It's not. But also we're getting pretty deep now. I, I, I defy anyone, and, and I'm going to put my... I'm not saying I've said something like that, but there is if if even the 10 worst things any individual's done in the history of their life... If one of those ten worst things is aired in a public way, as Tom Morris's worst thing was, yep. how many people are going to survive that moment? If, if the million, if, million. if one of the ten worst, yeah, not many. And I don't think, and, that's, that's and you could this, even stretch that to a hundred, Hutchie. It's on the hundredth worst acts that an individual's performed. It's a wake up. It's going, it's going to be a sackable outcome if it's broadcast. So, I mean, you, where, where do you where do you start and finish with that type? Oh. I mean, because then, Hutchie, no, no one's backyard's clean. What I would say to that is the microphone's always on now. It was once upon a time when it was on or off, and it's that's no longer the case. And, I, I, and that's we would a, normally joke about that and say it has been on in this studio a few yeah, times, and we not, thought it was off. That's not a bad thing. Hey, just on Luke Beveridge, can we just deal with that? It's a separate issue. I know you've been part of this narrative of Luke. Um, we've talked in the sounding board about the Brownlow exchange you have, and I'll, I'll come back to that in a moment. Well, I saw you've, the Australian, you've created half the, the problems I've got with Luke. The Australian media section picked up on that as a story today. I know you address this a little bit on AFL occasionally, but I want to get into it AFL a, Daily. A, a little bit further. Highest rating podcast going you, the, Caroline said that she felt he was almost at the point of questioning whether he was equipped to coach a team. Yeah, did I, you, I did hear that. Do you, did you agree with that? <laughs> no, yeah? I, I didn't agree with that bit. Again, I, I wouldn't know. She may have information, I, I don't. But a couple of things that Caroline Wilson said about a $100,000 fine. Even I didn't think it was anywhere near that amount. Yep. I thought the 20000 which was a, a, a donation to charity, was about right. And what I will say about this issue, Hutchie, while, while I don't think it was out of character, as as, as Luke and, and others at the club and others around him said, and that, that's fine. You can say whatever you want. What I will say is... I thought the apology that he made and the, the, the subsequent and corresponding words by the, the president, Kylie Watson-Wheeler, and others at the club, I thought it was close to a perfect apology, Hutchie, in terms of how it just drew a line on what happened 24 yeah. hours earlier. It was well handled by the dogs. Yeah. I thought the president, who comes from a business that's all about brand in Disney. Runs was, Marvel there in was, Australia. Yep. There, was, there was no and, – and runs Marvel, which is obviously built on brand. There was no um, – Doubt that no. there was going to be a brand. There, there were little, there were little references to you know yep. committing to be better next time, and and also learning to be better. I mean, I, I thought it was yeah. I mean, if if people haven't read it, go and have a look at the Bulldogs website. I'm sure it's still there. It's long, but yep. it's worth reading. And and as such, I feel that issue's gone. That, that, that there's no reason to talk yeah, about. Yeah, I mean, you get negatively the, that comment that that press conference. You get a, when you put your hand up, so I got it wrong. People move on quickly, mm. and you get a mass discount when you're a senior coach. You've always said that. Footy club. <laughs> I mean, it depends what job you've got, right? If that had been the doorman who'd done it, it would have been, been walked. You know, like it's – there's a discount on your role and your significance and he's a pre- and the premiership buys him currency. <laughs> yeah. So what you do – and we talked about this in the James Heard. He had chips on the table. Just cash a few in. <laughs> cash a few in on the apology because he had chips to burn. He just got to know what hand you got at any one time. He He's not asking for my advice. I don't – I'm not – Vain enough to think I'm, I'm good enough to give it, but I'm going to give it anyway because we've got a podcast where we can say what we want. What are you going to tell him? This would be my advice to him. Yep. In football, coaches spend infinite amount of times looking for an edge, perceived or otherwise. They'll go to Utah and climb mountains merely to see if it adds one percent to their oxygen. You know, into, like, coaches go to the nth degree and then yep. to motivate their players and to you know hire an ad- additional assistant and every, this person's got his own coach. And so, if they believe an edge is important, 
then he's got to work on his media edge because that's a mo- at the moment of the 18 clubs, he's ranked 18 probably in media skills. He hates media though, Archie, and, and let's not beat around the bush on that. Yeah, but just just let me hear me out. I'm not saying that you need to be good at it. I'm not saying even being bad at it is a big problem. But if you're in the game of edges, he's exposed on this. I look at Simon Goodwin and Luke Beveridge as both victims of good journalism, good journalism, you have to say, over the last two, three months. Simon Goodwin was victim of Michael Warner and the Herald Sun's good journalism yep. where they exposed medical files, his comments with Angus Brayshaw, his perceived drinking at the Sereno Hotel, his perceived social habits. All, all through the lens of someone who was a bit disgruntled, Hutchie, by the way, but, but yeah, the, the but, journalism was very good about it. Was, it. Yeah. But he was a victim of very good journalism, maintained his dignity, handled it with occasional humour and respect, and his players stuck up for him and didn't, didn't let it get to him on the outside. Max Gorn's photo with him at the Sereno pub yep. 24 hours after media being accused of drinking at the Sereno pub yep. was, was the best piece of media that any captain will issue this year. You put that up against Luke Beveridge's reaction to a perceived change in a team, and Luke was beaten six love, six love, six love at his own game. Like, it was a, it was a trouncing. Yeah. And he's admitted he might got it wrong and not to back over it, but he it's a flaw and he, he's got a glass jaw on the public view of his footy club. It's a flaw in his makeup. It's a perceived edge to competitors, and he needs to fix it or minimalise it. Do you think it's that drastic? See, yeah. even I don't, and I've got well, already a clouded goes, view on Luke. It goes back to the Talias in seventeen. Oh, no, no, fifteen. Fifteen that was. Fifteen. That's, that's two thousand fifteen. Yeah. It's a long time ago now. How he's hung on Ryan Gar- Gardner, and I don't think Melbourne cared whether he played or not. The, f- the defender in the grand final. What's his name? Yeah, yeah, yep. Gardner. Yeah, and now, and now this one. It's it's a distraction. It's a sideshow. Look, you could argue it's not. He actually named a team <laughs> that wasn't the team that he intended to name in an attempt to spite the journalists so, who'd broken the story. So you're Melbourne. You say, oh, we've got this bloke on the ropes here. And they're his natural. Are you saying that? I think they're the, they're the federate who is in a dial, right? You say, there's a little Achilles heel or a glass jaw on the public side. And he needs to fix it. And he, and he needs to just understand if he doesn't – he doesn't clearly understand the flow of information. Some of the things we're saying, if it's a courtesy and you ring this guy and you oh. tell him – like, he doesn't understand the business he's in. I, I made the mistake of ringing the Bulldogs about a story once, Archie, and they, they lied to me about it and then released it themselves the next day, which so, which was the one of those Tom Boyd stories. Yeah. I mean, he looks the he looks to be the most befuddled and, and involved in this since Grant Thomas for me. Because Grant was forever middling in the media side of his club and it didn't end well for him. So <laughs> – you got, got to get that out of his game. Don't worry about what anyone's saying about you doing. And on on the optics, lose the moustache. Oh, come on, Hutch. Even I'm not going to be going Look, down the, just, that path. Just lose the moustache, I reckon. <laughs> well, see, a, you've a, said that before. and I, I don't, Even I don't get that, Hutchie. I, I don't have a problem with how a, he looks. He's a brilliant coach. I think he's great for the game. And I am a Luke Beveridge Man and fan, but if he was asking for my advice, I'd say, well, "Hang on, if you're Kylie Watson Wheeler, you're going to yeah. say, as part of this settlement last week or this apology, how long's old mate got to go? The mustache. <laughs> yep. You can't see. I, no, I, I don't think you can say. It's just that time to, to reassert himself as a. What's that going to change? What's that going to change? I, I think it, I'm a believer in the optics. <laughs> anyway, that's my view. That's almost the best thing you've said in the past twenty minutes. That's my view. <laughs> I don't know where to go after that. What I want to do, do Hutchie, last week you, you brought our attention, mine included, to the the Women's Network logo, which to me had no context at the time. You took our listeners through it and how it looked in a way that a Women's Network logo shouldn't look, and I still 
don't feel that comfortable talking about this, but this story took off after you exposed it on our show last week. The next day, the federal government has removed a widely mocked logo for the Department of Prime Minister and Cabinet's Women's Network after it was criticised for its phallic appearance. The logo, a cursive purple W next to a rectangular shape with a rounded end, had appeared on the Department Careers website. In a statement, the Department said that staff diversity networks were rebranded to establish a consistent look and feel. And neither the Prime Minister or the Prime Minister's office were involved in the logo design. <laughs> so the role play we did was the Prime Minister's office. I mean, they weren't involved. They distanced themselves in segment. <laughs> paragraph four. You to put out a statement and make sure you say it wasn't us. I wonder who went under that bus internally. You, you, who do you reckon went under that bus? You came in wound up about this last week. I had no line of sight on this until you discuss it on air. And yeah. once again, Hutchie, you've read the room before the room read yeah. itself. Well, Someone said to me once recently, if you're going to fail, fail quickly. That's a fail quick, isn't it? That's a get, let's just a, hit the parachute on this or out. I think this story, I did see this pop up um, in, in very reputable news organisation news bulletins after you raised it, I reckon, Archie. I'm not sure if it was, it was uh, because of um, us or alongside us, but anyway. All's well that ends well. And we'll go from that serious piece of uh, media last week to, to a, probably an equally serious piece of media on the um, our friends at the Daily Mail where this headline ran during the week. Ex-WAG Nadia Bartel loads up her Range Rover with toilet paper during a supermarket run in Melbourne with her sons Aston and Henley. That's a headline to a story. Shocking clip, clickbait. Unfortunately, unfortunately... Sadly, I bet it was well read too. Oh, please. That's that's such an indictment. Loads on our, up a Range Rover with toilet paper. An indictment on our society. It really is. And I feel so much for the for Nadia who has to go through that. It's just not reasonable and fair that you could be subject to that type of coverage about it, your life. And even the, na- the referencing of the son's names, in, in, and that, that was the headline. They run longer headlines. They run weighty headlines. That was the headline. On that particular story. Yeah. I mean, the only defence of that, the only defence, was if it was her idea and she was complicit in it, which is happening, as you know, as I told you. Well, you're big on that. Can you name names I, on that, Hutchie? I, I doubt that this instance happened, but- Oh, she I, couldn't. I know. She couldn't say, hey, uh, Daily Mail, paparazzi man I, or woman, I'm, I'm going to go down to I know. Aldi at I'm, 9.23 on Tuesday, and I'm going to pick up some toilet paper. Leave Nadia aside, I'm sure she was the unfortunate victim of his coverage. So I know- this is happening around town from subjects do, of all do uh, the, ages and do the people this. Do the people known to these people who are tipping off the paparazzi, either through a relationship or through a past relationship, know that they're doing this? Yeah, I would say in some instances, again, we're not, we've moved on from Nadia. In some instances, it's actually a step further to rev share. <laughs> Take us through this bit. So rev share being revenue okay, share. So let's name a fictitious character, John Smith, for the sake of the discussion. Yep. And John Smith has been in the news with a relationship he's been having John, with um with um. John Smith's got a and, high Daily Mail ranking yep. or a Verity score. Verity score. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. John says he's had a few relationships. John. Well, John's just for, he finds John finds himself in the news for whatever reason. He can't even work out good, why. bad, or indifferent. Yeah, yep. He's just one of those people that drives <laughs> digital content. Yep. He says to a freelance photographer who he gets to know by papping him for. Two years, and then they, one day they stop and have a beer and discuss how this all works. <laughs> what are you getting a photo? He goes, oh, you know, I can't say that. And after two beers, it's, well, you know, you're $1,500 a photo and $10,000 or something significant. <laughs> and he says, well, if I, 
what about we go halves on that and I'll tell you where I am the whole time. <laughs> that, you, you you, laugh. You, That's you, happening. <laughs> That that is happening in our city. You, you, you actually think? No, I, I know it is. Actually, so I know an example of myself. Taking people behind the not, not of... recently. I want to say not recently, not in the last year, but I do know of an example of that type. I'll, but... I'll promise you it's happening. <laughs> and it's it's a it's the weird economics of photography. <laughs> it's hard for the public to get their head around that. Well, if you're a I don't know, let's say you're a reality star and you're trying to stay relevant. You had your moment in the sun for five weeks. Hmm. You were much talked about. And then for the next year, your job's to stay in people's front of minds and you can get paid along the way. You can understand why people do it, who are the subjects of it, couldn't you? I, I think reality stars are You've right. got to trust, the, trust that person pretty closely. Well, to... Your business partner's in the transaction. So, you, of course, your trust is, is a given. Yeah. I don't think it's necessarily 50-50, by the way, those commercial deals, but they're near enough too. Um, Hachi, we, and, and maybe you more than me, but you're, you're fascinated with this Tom Brown and Mitch Cleary battle at, um, at Channel 7. I just want to um, I am. relay something to you during the course of the week. So this all happened in the space of, uh, what is it, about 16 minutes. Tom Brown on Twitter. Strong indications from sources, COVID health and safety impacting some senior coaching. This will happen, and I want to make sure it's normalised. I'm not going to name anyone or the club more tonight as it becomes official. Normalised. I don't know what that means there in that context. Nine minutes later, I've spoken to the club involved, and they will have something officially out very shortly. Now, remember, previous tweet was, I'm not going to name person. Six minutes after that second one, Michael Voss unfortunately won't coach Thursday night. He is under health and safety protocols. Yeah, no, I understand how that sequence of tweets reads the way it does. Hachi, it happened in 17 minutes, all three. I'm going to defend Tom here for just a moment. This will happen. I want to make sure it's normalised. What's normalised mean? And I'm not going to name anyone or the club. At at that point. It took him 11 minutes to name Michael Voss and the club. But his view changed when Carlton decided they were going to name him themselves. So I I respect that. He was was trying to keep the privacy of the health condition. And normalise it. It's a, it's what, a, is, what is normalising? It's a, it's a sensitive It's very sensitive. But time. how sensitive can it be in the space of 11 minutes to go from, I'm not naming anyone here. To, you can to, argue. We, we saw the famous health file story years ago. You can argue that him going on saying Michael Voss has got COVID and the club weren't ever going to say it was a breach of his own health privacy. There's not much difference, really. So I, I understand his view. I don't think, you know, this bloke's got COVID and that – that person's got COVID is really a news style story unless the subject themselves are going to announce it yeah, anyway. I agree with that. I mean, fortunately for journalism, there's a seven-day consequence, so they all become public. But I'm all just about, I'm not going to name him, but then I will. But that happens all the time in journalism. Well, don't do the first tweet. I, and that's, uh, I get it, but I wanted, to, I wanted to defend Tom on this. Now, right. screen time's on my list, don't I? Screen time. Tom and Mitch are duking it for screen time. Yep. And by the way, just before we get into screen time, <laughs> I'll come to screen time in a second. The seven AFL lineup photo placement. Oh, <laughs> I knew you'd get to this. <laughs> now, was, it, was it BT? Here. Was it BT or Campbell Brown sent the photo out? That, Campbell the, Brown put it on his Instagram. There you go. That's where I, I saw it. Within ten seconds, I was all over it <laughs> because. They, this is really when you sort the wheat from the chaff. <laughs> this, you, this is when you are at your absolute best on this show, when you're describing these things that to the, to the common person don't mean anything. And we'll get to Mitch and, and, and uh, Tom in this. The school photo is lasting, stays forever, 
it's it's really a, a vanity fest. <laughs> it's about where you land and how you're perceived. But and how do you jostle for, for well, the Well, I'll position. tell you what happens. Yep. They only really set the big dogs, yep. and everyone else is like musical chairs. Do your best, right? <laughs> so I'll tell you how this has been set. I'll, I'll, I'll spell them out for you. We want Brian and Jim at the front yep. with Hamish. Yep. And I think the orchestras have gone, well, Hamish and Jim are kind of our equal hosts. We'll put Brian in the middle to split them. And then we've got two magnificent leading ladies, Daisy and Abby. Yep. They're the five that were set. Yep. Everyone else, find your best seat. I reckon those they were the only five placed. Really? Yep. So okay. So it's that ad hoc. And then, so what do you do then if you if you want a good prominent position? If that is the state of play, where do you go in that shot, Hutchie? Because there's three rows of roughly eight people in I'll each row. What, I'll, seven tell what, people. I'll tell you what you do because I've been in the situation before. <laughs> yeah. You go to row two or three because right. they look better in the photo and they elevate. You, so are you saying you Middle. don't want to go on the edges? No, edges edges is like playing on a half forward flank, Damo. It's a wilderness. <laughs> It edges one step from being unemployed, Damo, in these photos. <laughs> well, if one of those photos has cropped a bit differently, someone's going to miss out on it. So what you do is, this is the skill, because <laughs> yeah. there's three rows of about eight. Yeah. You can see this on our Twitter page. Yeah. You know the front five are going to get placed, because they're the, they're the, they're, they're the, they're the big. important ones. Yep. You What you do is you go to row two or three, <laughs> yeah. and you pretend you're not interested where you sit, <laughs> so you're having a meaningless conversation, and you slow walk the row in. <laughs> Because what happens? You allow the other end of the row to fill up, and you land in the middle. And I'll tell you who's had meaningless conversations and slow walked. Das. Cam, Cam Luke is the MVP. Oh. He's landed behind BT's head. He has to. The bloody armchair experts on at midnight, and he's landed in the middle of the photo. You're kidding. That is such a Cam Luke thing that to do, That is too. genius. And Cooney has applied a hard tag on Cam. That, what that is is Cooney goes, Cam Cam's street smart. Hang on. Now, now Nigel, Car- street smart. Nigel Carpenter's played this game well. Well, I reckon he's reached out to Nigel at the other end. Hey, Nigel. He's behind Hamish. One question I mean to ask you, and they just walk towards yep. each other, and he's landed. And Darce, Which means Darce has been- flat, Left flat-footed. Yep. yep. Flat-footed at the yep. barriers. Um, the Maasai warrior, Mitch. Now, where's Mitch? Has done the same thing- As Cam. At the top. Yeah. <laughs> and for a newcomer, yep. being centre-back is as good as it gets. <laughs> you don't want to be middle- Centre, because of the, your colleagues go, oh, who's this bloke that you're sitting in the middle, which is what they're all saying about Cam and won't admit it. <laughs> so, so would Mitch be happier with his placement in that than Tom He's is in the same? Tom on the absolute break. I'll tell you what would have happened. Tom would have been on the phone. He'd been distracted. He forgot to do his tie-up. There'd been something going on where Tom's like, hang on, he'd been, he'd been chewing the, you know, he's an over-talker. He'd been chewing the air off Lingy or someone like that. Or Luke, what do you think about this? And he looked up and he's landed two from the edge. So what you were saying out of that photo, only five seats would have been assigned. Only five. Right. So I think- So that, Abby, Hamish, BT, Jim, and Daisy. They're, they're the only five assigned seats. Yeah, and I think they've probably gone, well, you know, we might as well get some of these greats down. They've been co-opted in like, come down, Duck, come down, uh, Silk. Actually, where's Duck? I can't, I, He's on the end front. That's okay. That's, that's, that's no, respectable. That's, that's not Duck. Come down, Hodgie. That's all right. And Jason Bennett's experienced. He's thought, Abby's going to draw a while here. I'll chat to Abby in the warm-up, and I'll land next to Abs. Smart from Jason. And that's the sort of thing Jason do. So I'd say- J- Jace dots the I's and crosses the T's. And then I think, you know, I look at poor old mate Soder from Adelaide up the back right. <laughs> he just got nervous. He just went, I'm not sure where I'm meant to go or how I'm meant to get here. It's my first Has, has photo. Jackie Felgate got herself in a good position there? Draw- uh, under the circumstances you've outlined? Obviously chatting to Dars, drawn, drawn well, and it lights up a photo, Jackie, obviously. Tim's got, Tim Watson's up the back. He's got that, I don't really care where I sit sort of look. <laughs> but he would I'll, I'll sit back. Tim would care. It doesn't affect me. No, I, Tim would care. I'm, I'm, I'm bulletproof, so- I'm fine up the back. Um, and I think 
So I just draw poorly. But I think Soda. those that have had bad photos, if I was to call them out. <laughs> bad photos or bad photo placements? No, bad photo placements. I think Soda will learn from the experience. <laughs> I think Tom's had a bad one. I think Lingy and Rich, I haven't thought through it at all. And I think Cam Luke and Nige. I think I Ducks lead himself down there too. If I was giving the votes out, I'd give three to Cam Luke, <laughs> yeah. two to Mitch Cleary, and one as a joint between Nigel Carmody and Jason Bennett. <laughs> I reckon they've done exceptionally well and drawn very well. And, that, and those photos will live in the memory. And Tom, you got to be focused because the Maasai, you got a new sheriff in town. He's just going to go in and take the spot, which leads me to the airtime they're getting on here. <laughs> Before you get to the airtime, only you could have got. What did we just waste time wise there on, on that photo? Only you could have got five minutes out of a photo like that. <laughs> well, it made me laugh. You know who would have made laugh too? Tell me. The late Danny Frawley would have been. Oh, there. he would have got a segment just, out of it. I, my heart warms just the thought of him looking at that picture. And you would have loaded. Him, we all would have loaded him up with little bits of information. <laughs> <laughs> so by the time he got to Saturday at Triple M at twelve fifteen, he wouldn't have known what to He'd say. He would have lost his way. Yeah, he would have, yeah. he, he all would. right, you've been waiting to this the whole time. In fact, you've got well, Jane to put this as number one item on our list today. Hang time. So I said we're going to get double crosses inside the MCG on Thursday on Wednesday night opening. Yeah, night. You, you called that, and we got that. So thanks to everyone on Twitter who pointed you, out the you double crosses. You did call crosses. that in advance. Yep. Yeah, different parts of the ground. <laughs> and I said that we would see them both bob up in the four o'clock news to try and get preemptive airtime. The national news. <laughs> did that happen? Yes. Oh. And not only that, Tom seemed to be on merely to throw to Mitch and Mitch only for the rest of the day. Sport. Here's Tom Brown. Thanks, Blake. Plenty of footy to digest with some big team news ahead of the first round. Mitch Cleary is live with the latest. Mitch, the Bombers have made a crucial call on Jake Stringer this afternoon. Well, Tom, he'd been pushing for several weeks to play, but he's fallen just short, not doing enough to win over the coaches and prove he's back to full fitness after that groin injury. Tom is just there to say, joining me now is Mitch Cleary. And then in the second cross, I ran the the watch on them. (laughs) You said you'd do this. (laughs) He got he got it out to two thirty, Tom. Whereas Mitch landed at one thirty five, so he's getting sixty five percent share of voice. I think you picked that too, didn't you? On opening night, <laughs> and fifty five seconds, approximately more than Mitch, and then Andrew McCormack even got a third bite, so he only got ten seconds less than Mitch. So <laughs> I said they're about a sixty five thirty five share of voice at the moment. For the record, two minutes thirty opening night, Tom. One minute thirty five, Mitch, and we'll be watching the. Uh, Space yep. allocated to both, but I, how's that going? The four thirty news. I reckon Tom's walked in and gone. Wait a minute, is that across to uh, Mitch? Well, I tell you what, I, I can add context to that. Why don't you just cross to me? I'll set it up with a couple of little yarns, and then I'll throw to Mitch. <laughs> so he's playing. He's playing the bridge role to make sure he doesn't get any direct to national audience. <laughs> Actually, I've said before uh, this show, which is episode seven of series seven, you're in career best standing board form. You're bringing stuff to the table in a way you've never done, or in fact, haven't done in the previous six series. And one of the issues you brought to the table this week is this this Quill Awards topic. Now, I, I don't know whether I should be raising this on X. I don't know where you're going to take this, but there was a photo you saw on social media. Yeah, so our um, poor old crown. Poor old Crown. Haven't they been through enough? Well, t- take us back through the history of Crown with Nick McKenzie taking well, Crown down. Nick McKenzie has, has done more harm to the casino industry than anyone who's gone before him. <laughs> and Last year he won a quill. Gold, it, a gold one, I thought. And he got up to accept the award at, at Crown. <laughs> they probably put a 10 to 20% discount on at Crown so he can get up and accept the award about how he almost ended their business. And I feel for them because he's been relentless on them. Yeah. So I saw this – I didn't go to the quills on Friday night because, you know, 
obviously that's a day gone by for us, you and I. <laughs> You don't need to write down the paper to remind me that I was a, a judge. I'll ask you that in a minute. I know you're a judge. You're a judge. Is that what you're about to tell me? No. I, I believe you're a judge at the Quills on Friday night. Do you? Yep. Am I right? I don't know whether I can comment on that. Were you a judge? I don't know whether I can comment. <laughs> I'm told you're a judge, <laughs> and that's pretty impressive that you because Michael Warner won, and you've been a critic of his, and you voted for him. So I think that's oh, great. Well, I'm not, I don't know whether I'm allowed to even say I'm a judge, but if I was a judge, as if any bias would come into the decision-making. But my thick skin of the and, week... And, and Michael Warner was a thoroughly deserving thoroughly winner, winner. In, in my eyes. I thought he was if a I, standout if winner. judged that award. And congratulations to him for winning. He absolutely deserved to. The Melbourne Press Club, how, how, big a th- how thick a skin does Crown Melbourne have to have this is the thick skin of the week. I see this on the Melbourne Press Club Twitter feed. <laughs> Reminder, the Twitter competition is underway. <laughs> this is for the room. Tweet your witty comments and stylish pics to hashtag MPCQuills for a chance to win a night's accommodation package at Crown <laughs> Melbourne. <laughs> we're also welcome photos of weird or funny working lockdown moments. So oh, Crown... Witty comments. <laughs> poor old Crown, who are a wonderful, wonderful place, who've been battered and bruised by Nick McKenzie... <laughs> have been kind enough to give out a night's accommodation package <laughs> to the journalist in the room looking for the next Crown story. <laughs> <laughs> it made me laugh anyway. <laughs> um, oh, you- by the way, for those who – there was a lot of people who accused us of living in an echo chamber yeah. on Twitter last week. I saw it about four times. You know, you guys, in the defence of Bevo and Tom Morris, don't realise you're in an echo chamber and talking about journalists. Two things – Okay, let's agree we are in an echo chamber. No, I'm not going to agree with anything. We will have a segment each week from next week on called the Echo Chamber, where we will call out people like us who are, in our view, in the echo chamber. So that's a new segment, Damo, that's been born. Okay, I like that. Do we, do we need to do some homework on all of that? And the second thing is the audience interest in Beveridge and, Mor- and Tom Morris, if our platform is any guide... Was like nothing I've ever seen. Yeah, I'd hours. agree with that. So, Same with our platform. So you could argue on any basis you like to me yeah. about its relevance or otherwise, but you cannot dispute its audience interest. It was overwhelming for yep. twelve hours. Yep, I'd I saw it Hutchie. firsthand. Yep, and uh, if that puts me in an echo chamber, well, then that'll be the new seg demo the <laughs> every week. Let's head to a regular item on the sounding board. That being the question of the week. On the sounding board, it's our question of the week for DrinkWise. If you're choosing to drink, choose to DrinkWise. Dozens of questions we could ask. Uh, We'll go with Michael on Twitter. Has a coach ever tried to kick either of you out of a press conference? I, Michael, just without sort of uh, preparing an answer on here, I do recall a time when I was in Brisbane. It would have been 1990, maybe 98. There's that year that the the lines that they had become in, in 98. Seven. Uh, we're going through that horrendous year where Roger Merritt took over from John Norley and then both were sacked. Uh, you were you're in a faction at that time. Yeah, I did get caught up in the whole thing. In a, in a well, I got caught up in it, not deliberately, but I got caught up in it. Uh, Noel Gordon called a press conference to deny something that we'd put on the front page of the Career Mail that day. So he called the press conference to deny it, but then wouldn't let me go into the press conference yep. to ask further questions about it. So that's my immediate response, Michael. I don't recall a coach. I've had issues with coaches, as you well know, um, but I don't think anyone's ever tried to kick me out of a press conference. Yeah, Mike, I was 
kicked out by Kevin Sheedy of the club, as I've talked about on the sounding yep. board before, and given a ban. I was banned twice by Dennis Pagan. I think I did three months and eight months, respectively. <laughs> and What, he wouldn't let you into a press conference? I wasn't, wasn't allowed in, yeah. And I think there was someone else. Yeah, I think – I remember – See, um, they're petty, aren't they, coaches? Seriously. I remember, I remember Inside Football in, in one of its gossip columns said, oh, there's a journalist who's been banned by five clubs at the moment. Oh, yeah. And they didn't name the journalist, but I knew it was me. And I thought, oh, I, was only, I thought it was only four. <laughs> I was trying to work out who the fifth one was. <laughs> that's about when I hit my low point. <laughs> I don't look back with any pride on that. But anyway, that's how it goes. Hey, I, I did. I don't like telling this story because it talks down our industry. Yeah. But I did offer to take people behind the curtain on a bad one last week that I made, which I haven't never told before. So that's concerning the beef stroganoff incident. Oh, in when you when you're on in Ireland, yeah, yep. yeah. So there's nothing like good about this story. It was the poor end of journalism, and always loath to take people behind the curtain. But I will anyway. So I was probably lo- young twenties, maybe mid twenties. In those days, you were often rewarded for a year's work with something. There was a they were a bit more commercially yep. loose, loose times. Yep. And I might have been out of contract or something. I can't remember. The <laughs> and sometimes it. it was a travel section of the organisation which would give you yep. the, the junket. Yeah. But it was it was a junket in every which way. So I was sent to Ireland for two weeks to cover the Australian tour of Ireland. In fact, I went three times to Ireland to cover the Australian tour, which which was probably as relevant then as it is now. Like it didn't really pass the sniff test of needing to go. As in it didn't have any. But it was a reward for me, I think, from the view of the network that I'd had to an okay year or one minute stay or something. I'm not saying it was yeah, validated. You had, a, you had many okay years, aren't you? Yep. And so the deal was they didn't really – I said, well, great, I'll file a story every day. And they're like, no, no, it's expensive to spend, send the stories back. There's a satellite cost. So we don't want too many stories. One a week would be enough. <laughs> one a week. Go on and enjoy yourself for two weeks. And I said, well, no, I, I want to do more than that. So we settled on four stories. In essence, a Wednesday and Saturday feed by two weeks. So I'd send four yarns back, and I got to pick my own cameraman, and I picked one of the editors that didn't shoot much because he was a friend, and he was a good mate. And <laughs> so I, I chose him. It went over very poorly in the, ca- the camo room. Because there is a hierarchy, a hierarchy in that, in that yeah, business. Yeah, so hierarchy. <laughs> and so to those listening back at Channel 7 right now, Damien, Shine, and Co., I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> and, and so I took my mate. Let's just call him Smooth for the sake of the conversation. Smooth and I went away. Smooth is a- What was his real name, aren't you? Would I know? Yeah, Matthew Gerrity is his real name. Yep. Matthew's gone on to have a great career in, in London. He's a tremendous television person and a great person and a brilliant editor. I think it's fair to say he was at a young stage of his cameraman work at the time. Okay. And so he and I attacked it like a mate strip. Like a nightclub. A mate strip. And so we get through, we do the first feature and the second and- you know, the third, and we've, you know, everything's going according to plan. It had been a fiery test one. So I'd done the, the midweek story on the Wednesday that, you know, it's going to be fiery again at Croke Park and the Irish Army. Was this the Jason Ackermanis punch on with the opponent, or was that another series? Um, it was, an, it was uh, I, can't, I can't recall. There'll be holes in this story because it's so sketchy in my head, but I'll do my best. <laughs> Unlike you to have holes in the story and put mayonnaise on it. I'm just going to do my best. So we're in an Irish pub. In my head, it's Friday afternoon and Australia are training and we have made the decision on the morning of training that we've been to every training basically, but even though we didn't need to, that we're not going to training. And we've gone to the pub and we've had a beef stroganoff and, <laughs> and a couple of Guinnesses. Just a couple. And we thought, nothing you know, nothing to see here. And 
And, and 99 times out of 100, nothing happens at a training session. Nothing happens. Yeah. At any training session. And I get a text message. But oh, you've sorry. got to go to 100 sorry, to, got, to make sure. I've got a, a phone of some description and I see missed calls and then a please ring. I think it was a text, but lots of calls anyway. Yep. 03, 96977, whatever it was, <laughs> Channel 7. Yeah. We need the story, need the story. What um, heard The herd death threat. Oh, no. So James Heard. Has the Herald Sun have got the story? James Heard has been subject to a death threat in his room at training. He's spoken about it, so the story's dropped. Oh, no. Those days, he didn't have the. He's internet. actually gone on camera. Didn't have the, and he went on camera, emotional, at training. <laughs> and you're not there. I'm the only television journalist in town. And what happens back home in those situations is every city rings. Wait, haven't we got a guy in in Ireland? That they suddenly show interest in you being there. Yeah, the Sydney news. Haven't run one of your stories at this point. Rick Carter was the international guy at Channel Seven. He's on the phone because he's got six. And then the news director in Brisbane, Sydney, (laughs) we're sitting there in the pub, (laughs) and we missed the only story that anyone could possibly care around. Heard death threat. It was the best buy in the competition. (laughs) Nothing funny about it at the the time. Um, But looking back, no harm was done. And so what do you do in that situation? So we barrel down to Croke Park. Have, have you made contact with these people yet? I'd say three, four beers in. Because there was no internet. Taxi. Well, not internet that we know of today then. So you'd probably play and catch up on what it was thereafter too, and, aren't you? And, and oh, I don't think you mind me saying, but Patrick Keane was there from the AFL. Right. And he gives me that disgusted look. You know, like, oh, he would have. Because he's a beat reporter way he, back well, himself he, from AAP. He Patrick covered so just, many Australian cricket tours before he went down the corporate path, the corporate I, I communications path. enormous respect for Patrick because he was a great touring journalist. And he would have gone to every, every single, single training session and more. He wouldn't have missed the no. Labuschagne's net session at six o'clock. He was so he good would have been there. his craft. He would, he would have got there at quarter to six. And here's me rolling in after three pots on a Friday. Oh, only three. Having missed... Having missed the, the story, the, the story of, the, of the tour. Because I've missed training because I didn't think I needed to go. And he was as old school as – and he gave me that, you're kidding, look. Like, and I said, look, <laughs> is there any vision of the – and he said, no. And I said, well, I need I need to get James to come out. He goes, mate, the bloke's been subject to a death threat. His family – and I said, look, I, I, I'm highly empathetic to that – Oh, of course you are. You couldn't care less about that at this I, point in time. I'm in a spot here. <laughs> and I need I need James down the road. And I don't I want to make light of a death threat, Hutchie, but you might have been getting some of those from back in Australia. And I remember with that your heart, editors. Heart was beating like, how do you justify missing this when you've been sent away courtesy of a network? Anyway, about 20 minutes later, it's sackable in someone's language. In someone's these days, it would be outcomes. 20 minutes later, James emerged at the top of the race with this. Are you so-and-so kidding? Look, And you would have known him reasonably well, I'd imagine. And I said, mate, I'm, I, I can't imagine how, how it feels or what you thought or what your view is of me right now. <laughs> but here I am just laying it out and saying, <laughs> but, oh, I need you, but to, I need you, I need you to, to do it again. tear up again. I need you to do it again. And, <laughs> and so the most awkward interview of my life was, a, was attempting to recreate what I've missed in a really tough spot. Did you somehow get a better version of the initial one? No. And it was... And it was Did it matter? It wouldn't, no, it wouldn't have mattered, though. You got it. You still got it, Hutchie. The story wasn't as good as it could have been. It got no, sent home. And, and I, I th- I'm sure they both Patrick and James never held the same view of me again. <laughs> and fair enough. But, like, what would you – I didn't know what else to do. Like, I was, I, I, I was I'd, I'm hearing that story thinking you've made the absolute best out of the uh, nightmare scenario you're in. You still got the story, Hutchie. Cause it would have been 3 a.m. in Melbourne and, and Brisbane too, wouldn't it? Because that happens – that's happened a bit over the years when you miss something and you go uh, – 
You can't get money famous, back, can you? The famous scene in uh, Frontline. Remember when uh, Brooke Vandenberg goes, Mrs. So-and-so, do you have any... Uh, she's in the middle of an emotional response to a story and she says, do you have any double-A batteries in the drawer? Is the cameraman's tape gone dead? Oh, Remember right. in the emotional moment? Right. Those who uh, watch Frontline know what I'm talking about. Yeah. That was my uh, Brooke Vandenberg moment. <laughs> Well, I actually haven't heard that story. I've seen. I've heard most of your no, I remember stories. Exactly what I was eating. It was the beef stroganoff, stroganoff. And, and just the two the two pints, was it? Only well, the two. It, was, it wasn't deep in the day, and we weren't. You know, we weren't going. We were responsible, but we were, had had a couple of beers. <laughs> James Heard never looked at you the same again. And what it, what it what it taught me, the moral of the story is. Be like Patrick Keane. The, there's, <laughs> like, there's always something to cover, to do, and you get yeah. into good behaviours, disciplines, cover yeah. things. From well, that point well, that's on, your other that's your other statement. You've been saying this that you, you attribute this quote to a person who's actually been disgraced since he first said it. But Woody Allen, Woody Allen's famous quote is 80% what? Eighty percent of success is showing up. You've always subscribed to that. Well, that day was a tipping point for me. I n- never again took a shortcut. I don't think I did. Turned up all the time. Did all I could do, yeah. made as many calls as I could make, and just let the outcome be what it was. Yep. But mm. not being there, not being there, like I was the BD, you know, anyway. Anyway. So I haven't told that before. In fact, you can survive that, actually. Do you reckon James would come on and talk about that at some stage? I reckon that'd be mm, worth Probably doing. not if I'm on the show. Oh, only, maybe if I have a It's only got the one, week off. one life in it, do you reckon? They might. Yeah. Actually, no, he, I, think, well, I don't know if we're okay anymore. Uh, he's going well, can James. Can I, I talk about well. this? Are we okay? Like, People move on in life. You hang on to things way too long. I'm just giving you some constructive <laughs> friendship feedback here. You give me plenty along the way. No, I don't. When you've done a negative story about someone, don't worry about it. And if they, I said, don't. If they said something about Why you that's bad, don't. don't worry about it. Yeah, but some things are pretty intense, aren't you? You waste a lot of energy and emotion. No, I waste no oh, energy and emotion. That's the thing. I actually don't waste any emotion at all with it. I would think James is professional I, I, enough to say, if we rang him and said, do you remember this day? And he did, he'd just come on. He wouldn't worry about it. He'd say, yeah, Damo, doesn't mean you're going to be out around his house for dinner. But don't uh, worry about it. Well, give him a call between now and I'll next do that. Monday. How about that? I see him a little bit through the kids' school, so I'll do that. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, wrap this episode up of the Have you ever had a situation like that? Where you missed nah, it? No. I've always taken the view, Hutchie, and it doesn't always work, but I always take the view, you just get there and- and, and again, I, again, I use this the the percentage of one in a hundred will be where someone does their knee or does their shoulder or does you know something like what James Heard did. Um, but you, if you play the percentages, you're going to be unlucky to to miss that moment too, aren't you? But no, I, you, you, to me, you control what you can control because there's enough stuff you can't control that gets you. I reckon so. That's my view, and it still is. Yeah, even after all this time. And when when you're being paid to do two stories, four stories, or forty four stories, you've got to behave the same way. Yeah, yeah. Be, be professional. D- just do the do the routine Give every, every single time. Because as yep. I said, there'll be enough curveballs that you don't see coming yep. that, that ultimately get yep. you. And thank goodness it wasn't a digital age then, because it'd have been no good for me. Yeah, and and you wouldn't have got access to the athlete again, would you? A second time, not not the way it works these days. I wouldn't have thought. Anyway, yeah, anyway, all right. Sounding board for DrinkWise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to DrinkWise. Thanks for listening to the Sounding Board podcast with Hutchie and Damo. Tune in for questions tomorrow and to send a question to the boys, email thesoundingboard at sen.com.au, follow the show on Twitter at Sounding Board EP and like the Facebook page. It's all thanks to DrinkWise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to DrinkWise. DrinkWise.